1: Okay, let's talk about that. And um The cat makes it like impossible to have the tree nice out where anybody can see it because he's trying to eat it all the time. Like you can Why does he want to eat it? Like I was standing next to it spraying him with the spray bottle for like half an hour. And the minute you turn your back he's trying to chew on it. I don't know, like he likes green stuff and even though it's not a real tree he seems to think it's real enough that it would taste good if he ate it. So, like, I tried to spray it with some, like, citrus stuff that's supposed to deter cats and he will not be deterred. And I'd, like, hit him, like, full in the face a bunch of times with a spray bottle of water. And he would run away and lick himself dry and then come back and try it again. And so, with the, like, the Christmas trees in our bedroom right now. Oh, bedroom Christmas. Because we can't leave it out, and we haven't had a full size Christmas tree since the first year that we got him. Because, like every other morning, you'd come out and the tree would just be knocked over with all the stuff on it everywhere. So we were hoping he would like grow out of this phase, and he totally has not.
0: Oh, so you have you? So you have a, a fake tree? Yes.
1: How big is it? It's six feet. Well, the box said it was six feet, but it's not six feet tall. It's like five, eight.
0: Well, God, that's terrible. It's, it's false fine. advertising.
1: It's a fine size.
0: We have a real tree. If it makes you feel any better, it fell over on its own.
1: <laughs> Did you not get a big enough stand?
0: No, it's a plenty big stand. I think we put it in, and, you know, like you do, you put all the decorations on one side. And I don't, don't know wh- do that
1: you have to have some crappy balls or something that you put on the other side for ballast i
0: I guess it was difficult. It's in a corner of a room, and there was no putting things on the other side and We came home one day, and I don't know if it was just like the tree just gave up or <laughs> if it was like from people stomping their way upstairs i don't know what it was but we came home and the tree had just like face planted on the floor
1: i like that you're trying to find a way to bring your upstairs neighbors into this
0: i would love to blame them for you're
1: really stretching like that is i don't think that's physically possible for them to be the reason why your tree fell over but you really want it to be that way really
0: really do (laughs) So I and we came in. Oh, it was such a bad day because we came in. We came home from something that was really fun and we were in good mood. And I I saw that tree on the floor and I just got so frustrated because <laughs> it was decorated and everything. Not anymore. No, we only lost like one or two ornaments to the collapse and and now it kind of looks like the tree is surfing. Like because I put it, we we stood it back up and I we have one of those stands that's like the four different eye screws. That kind of go in on each side, do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, um, so I redid those, and to counteract the the falling uh I kind of leaned it back in the in the stand, wait, so did
1: the stand fall over too, or did the tree fall out of the stand?
0: no, this it took the stand with it, like it was the way- so it
1: sounds like you just need a bigger stand, like you don't have a big enough stand for the tree that you got,
0: I guess. I don't think that's the case. Or
1: maybe it's probably your upstairs
0: neighbor. It's probably my neighbor. So let's just be honest.
1: How often do we talk? I feel like we talk about them on the show a lot to, Not the, to the point that they're becoming enough. like antagonists. They are
0: antagonists to my way What's of the
1: life. most recent thing that they did that got <sighs> your goat? It seems like they're getting your goat all the time. That's I don't right. even know how you have any goats left.
0: I don't know that they took my goat recently. I think the most re- well actually we think that they have a, f- a fire alarm like a smoke alarm whose battery they refuse to replace <laughs> and there's just this intermittent <laughs> chirp from upstairs
1: I also like it that it's not that they haven't gotten around to replacing <gasps> it but they refuse to replace well, it they it's could been replace going it going for and weeks
0: Andrew how do you not get around to a beep that's been <laughs> lasting for weeks I have half a mind to like throw a nine volt battery at their door with a note taped to it that says Merry Christmas and just You gotta throw it
1: through the windows. You can't I would have
0: to go into my backyard and like throw it up through their window and then I'd break glass. So you get like
1: a you get like a three pack (laughs) in case you miss
0: (laughs) Yeah, this is overdue a podcast about the books you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig.
1: My name is Andrew, and, and I think they made all the 9-volt batteries that they're ever going to make, like, years ago, and they've just been selling the initial stock ever since.
0: Well, on what, wait, on what are you basing that on?
1: I just feel like there's, like, nothing that uses 9-volt batteries. It's a very finite that is number not, of things. That's like, not true. It's, like, alarm clock, alarm clocks that have radios in them and, and smoke detectors.
0: I, I guess. I'd... I use microphones on occasion that use a nine volt battery. I don't know where oh, we man. get them. <laughs> they come from somewhere.
1: Nobody makes them. Just...
0: <laughs> we have a big box of used ones. Maybe we throw them out and they all just come back in new boxes. I don't it's know. like
1: toothpicks. Like nobody <laughs> buys toothpicks. You just have toothpicks or Q-tips or is there is another one that?
0: I've had the same box of Q-tips for like five years.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you just have them.
0: Just a thing you have uh, speaking of things that we have, uh, each week we have a story or a book or something that one of us has read, and we talk about it on the air for your listening pleasure and our talking pleasure, right? yeah, <laughs> that sounds about right uh, so apropos of winter time and Christmas time, not Christmas time, just winter time, I read winter's Bone. By Daniel Woodrell. That's the book that I read.
1: Yeah, and the the thing that okay, I know two things about Winner's Bone. First, Great. it was it was it twenty eleven or twenty twelve?
0: Uh twenty ten,
1: maybe. 2010. 2010? man, was it that long ago? Yeah. Um yeah, okay. So in twenty ten it was an Academy Award nominated film. It might have won something.
0: Uh it sure. was it I think it nomin- might. Have won oh, sorry. Sundance it was nominated something. for film stuff in 2011.
1: Oh, okay, so it, it won some stuff at Sundance. It was nominated for Best Picture in 2011. Yeah, um, it was the first big thing that Jennifer Lawrence was in, as I recall.
0: Yeah, maybe I don't. I don't know. Or that was like
1: it was. It was maybe one of the last points on her resume before she totally blew up and and started being everything. In everything. She's in everything. Let's We're just, just talk about Games, that for a and second. There's there's some movie called American Hustle. I can't even tell what it's about, but she's in it. That movie doesn't care what
0: it's about. It's about it looks like movie stars being cool.
1: Everybody's dressed like it's Anchorman, but I think, I think it's, it's well, supposed to be a serious it's called, movie. That's called the seventies, Andrew. <laughs> I know, but it's not that they're dressed like it's the seventies. It's dressed like they're kind of making fun of their dress like Yes,
0: it's the 70s. I mean it's the same guy who made Silver Linings Playbook, right? So it's it's one of those like funny but important movies, I guess. You okay. know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I mean it to be coming out this this time of the year. You've got to be kind of an Oscar grab anyway. Yeah, Oscar grab like that, family like friendly. that whitewashed um, tom hanks disney movie that oh I think gonna, oh boy we're gonna end up seeing that on christmas oh I think.
0: no yeah though let's let's just ignore walt disney's uh anti-semitism the movie right and
1: if you're gonna pick somebody who will make people ignore walt disney's anti-semitism you pick tom hanks because you can't imagine <sighs> him being anti-anybody
0: no that that is very true uh, he doesn't he even like had
1: like a l- late career like villain. I don't turn. know, like a like a Tim Allen falling out of favor thing where he's just in really terrible, or like a Mel Gibson type breakdown.
0: Oh, no, no. Tom, Hanks where everybody is. loves no. him and then
1: he falls out.
0: No, he's he's a weird. He's a weird squinty eyed every man that Tom.
1: Hanks. <laughs> what were we talking about? Winner's Bone? Maybe. Okay, the second thing I know about Winter's Bone is that it is not what the title implies. Because I hear that title and I hear like the night, mef- the night before Christmas, but like, like they're settling in for a long Winter's Bone. <laughs>
0: Are you kidding me right no. now? No, <laughs> with your twelve-year-old mind.
1: But I think it's about actual bones, right? It's sort of. Yeah, there's some bones involved. I, I saw the movie, but I don't I don't know anything about the book. So tell me who wrote the book and when it came out and what I should know about oh, that stuff.
0: Um, Daniel Woodrell wrote the book. Uh, Winter's Bone came out in 2006, so it only a couple years before the film came out. Uh, he's written a number of books that take place in the Missouri Ozarks, uh, which is where Winter's Bone takes place. It's kind of a mountain range in the Missouri, Southern Illinois, Arkansas region. I was actually sure. looking it up, and o- that we think that Ozarks actually comes from, like, bastardized French that means to Arkansas or, like, <laughs> at Arkansas. <laughs> huh. Um, and so it's about this kind of, not even small town, like, it's barely small town. It is, like... Rural, middle of nowhere communities that are almost separated from modern life completely. Not completely, but uh, they almost kind of revel in their
1: distance. Is not the right word, but yeah, like like to to see the movie, and I don't know if the movie and the book pretty are accurate. are alike in this, but it it felt like. It wasn't even like a community, like there were just a bunch of people who kind of knew each other because they were the only people around and they didn't live near enough to each other to really for it to be a village or a town. No. But they all like lived in the same geographical area, so they kind of knew each other and that was as close as they got. But yeah, it's it's very much, um, I don't know, it's it's very much a film about being alone in a way, yeah. They're like, your solitude, I guess?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's the main character uh, who's played by Jennifer Lawrence in the film is Reed Dolly. And it, it kind of the almost 90% of the characters in the book are somehow of the Dolly family line. Um, okay. It seems like there might be some inbreeding. It seems like they're—it's not explicit. So, you know, to say that is potentially judgmental. So, I don't want to go too far down that yeah, line. You don't
1: want to. Him- Bring your own assumptions. No, no, no.
0: Um, But at one point they talk about how all of the men in the Dolly line, uh, some of them have their own nicknames or they have like second names, but almost all of them are called like Jessup or Haslam or Milton. uh, And there's one more. It might be Arthur. I'm not sure. And it talks about how this is like from generations ago. It was a tactic to confuse law enforcers. (laughs) by basically naming everyone in your family the same name. Oh, really? So you would have like 10 Milton dollies and you wouldn't. And so it would be hard for the police to kind of keep track of who was who. Uh, <laughs> so then you'll, you'll meet characters in the book. There's like blonde Milton and thump Milton and, you know, Thump. yeah, I don't know. He's like the big boss of, of the family at one point. You know,
1: that's, it sounds weird, but, like I have some some uh, family members who are from from a rural a rural background, I guess an Ohio and, background. Um, yeah, like but like Southern Ohio. Okay, like rural Southern Ohio. Okay, which is a little a little deliverancy in spots. <laughs> <laughs> but so, yeah, some of them do have nicknames like like Bud and and Ding <laughs> and. Like Ding, Ding. literally. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Like I'm not even making that up. I don't know where it came from. I don't know if it's a nickname or a real name. Do you have an Uncle Ding? Yes. What? Yeah. Is he listening? No. I seriously doubt. Does Uncle Ding <laughs> have cable? Do you think? I I don't I I don't I'm not informed enough to speculate. Oh my we god. Are, he, he is a distant relative.
0: What a good name. <laughs> Oh my God, yeah, all right, anyway Uncle hill
1: people names, yeah, it's go. kind of
0: yeah, it's funny. the way the book handles it is that it is simultaneously
1: about
0: for lack of a better word, hill people without judging them, if that makes sense, sure, yeah. um, the author Daniel Woodrow, actually lives in the Ozarks and he grew up there. Um, I don't know that he's of this walk of life, necessarily, but he does seem to have an intimate knowledge of both the landscape and the people who inhabit it. Um, And his books in general, one of which was... I hope I didn't disclose this. um, His second novel, which was directed by Ang Lee, who made that uh, terrible Incredible Hulk after or before making *Brookback Mountain,
1: the first terrible incredible hulk or the second one?
0: Uh the first one. Okay. The one with uh Eric Bana. Okay. Uh Woodrell's novel Woe to Live On, which is written in the eighties, was actually adapted into a book into a movie called Ride with the Devil, uh which was pretty well received and takes place in the Ozarks. Um but his style has been called Country Noir. Uh <laughs> <laughs> and actually, what does I that d- mean, I think he might have even coined the term, which is kind of funny. Uh, but it's it is a crime novel, or at least a novel that hinges on a central crime, which we'll get to with regards to Winter's Bone, uh, that takes place in this kind of remote community where justice and Uh, investigation kind of turn on individual morals as opposed to, like, the law, if that makes sense. Sure. Like, just Mm -hmm. even the fact that that point about the family kind of naming men so as to confuse conventional law enforcers kind of tells you how this community of people feel about
1: government it's, yeah, you know, they they would rather tend to their own affairs exactly, than, and they, than have the law interfere,
0: and they have their own sense of honor and and stuff like that. But uh, so getting just quickly getting to the the plot of the book, um, this the conceit is re the the main girl. Uh, she has two younger siblings and a mother who is. I don't quite think that she's suffering from dementia, but it's close. Like she is breaking down mentally and is in need of care and her and her father Jessup is a meth cook in the Ozarks and he's from mm-hmm. by all accounts a pretty good one and he has disappeared and a sheriff comes by and says, "Well, I need him to appear in court and if he doesn't appear in court, the bond that he signed, you know, to keep him out of jail the first time or whatever, means that you lose your house." And so Ree has to discover, you know, or track down her dad, discover where he went or what happened to him, uh, or else she'll lose the place that she lives. And kind of one of the one of the tensions in the film is just, not the film, the book, duh. Um, <laughs> not only, like, just how she's going to find out and who she's going to find out from, but she has a dream of kind of leaving the community and, and joining the army. And so whether or not she's going to do that and also, each kind of group in the family seems to have a lot of land. Like, these houses, as you said, are not close together in, like, a village or anything. Mm-hmm. So she could potentially sell the land or even just sell some of the woods on the land to, like, in, to, you know, some sort of an industry or, or corporation or something and make a bunch of money, but that would be giving up, like, her family's claim to that land. Um so the tension between kind of getting out and sacrificing her family's lineage while tracking down her dad is kind of the main hook of the film of the book. Mm-hmm. I keep saying film, sure. Probably cuz all of the like the book is is well regarded but as you I didn't
1: know it was a book. Oh, well.
0: I I had it on uh my shelf because uh, my girlfriend had it. She I, she, I asked her if I could read it for the podcast. She was like, yeah, I don't know where I... I don't think it's mine. She got it. <laughs> it's one of those great examples of, like, you get a book from someone... And, and you don't know who, it, and you're never going to And I think she knows, but it was long enough ago that she... I don't even... She has no plans to give it back to them. It's just gone. Well,
1: because I, I don't even know that she would know who to give it back
0: no, to. No, <laughs> it's just ours now. Um... And uh, I never saw the movie, uh, but when you're looking up the book online, it inevitably leads you to summaries of the movie, which is why I keep kind of tripping over my words there. Sure. So. Okay,
1: so she's trying to find her dad.
0: So she's trying to find her dad, and the first place that she goes is she's, she talks to her uncle, Uncle Teardrop. All right. Um, and he's also, I think he is a Milton um but he's part of the Dolly family and he is addicted to meth uh this is like they don't spend a lot of time on the effect of meth in the book except that it is you know widespread in terms of use and uh creation like it is a large part of the family that people are making meth and making money off of it mm-hmm. um and uh, so Teardrop is kind of very volatile. He's been in and out of prison, and he is addicted to it, so he's kind of on edge all the time, whether he is either using meth or, you know, jonesing for it, and that's driving his behavior. And he doesn't really seem to know what has happened to Jessup, but he does tell Re that uh, he discovers that what probably happened is that Jessup was killed for informing on other meth cookers. Okay. Um, and Teardrop says that if he finds out, you know, who did it, that he would kill them. Like he's who who killed who killed Jessup. Fo- yeah. Okay. Who killed Jessup? Uh, so the first time you meet Teardrop, he that this is one of the more interesting characters because he starts out like you think he's going to be an antagonist, and the first time that re encounters him, he like almost hits her and, you know, threatens her a lot for sticking her nose in certain people's business. Mm-hmm. And then over the course of the book, he beca- he becomes one of the few characters who's actually defending her uh, and kind of saves her from harm a couple times. And then, in his own terrible way, puts her in harm's way a couple times as well. Okay. Because <laughs> he's not quite right. Uh, but he ends up being her closest relative in all of this business. Mm -hmm. Um, which is kind of important considering that all the other people that she's dealing with are also sort of relatives. Uh, (laughs) You know? (laughs) To varying degrees. To varying degrees. Uh, So, yeah, I don't know. She goes out to find it, and the the book is not quite a mystery because it doesn't have that, to me anyway, it doesn't have that feel to it. It doesn't have that drive. There's enough pausing to consider... The environment and its effect on both three and and the the family that she's kind of looking after. Because even though she's sixteen, she's basically the mother of these two boys. Um, and it doesn't have that you know every chapter ends on a cliffhanger, et cetera. You know, kind of Dan Brown mystery structure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, and the the prose itself does not feel modern also which i think helped it from feeling too like pulpy does that make sense uh, yeah i mean
1: if he's i guess if if woodrell is is writing like he's writing from the perspective of ree right or is he
0: it's a close uh third person you you okay, never so. encounter uh any story that isn't from her point of view but it's not first person
1: yeah Okay. But if, if you're that close to the character and they're living kind of out in the Ozarks, I mean, maybe there is an implication that they're not as modern as as people from some other like more populated locations, if that makes sense. So maybe maybe that's how the the prose serves the setting or serves the story.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's funny because there is like I I couldn't even tell you off the top of my head some of the terminology that gets that gets used. Uh, that you don't know what it means. Like I think the word nabob comes up at one point to refer to like <laughs> law enforcement. I don't know what a nabob is. What? Um, there's a couple times where they do they do own a TV, and the her younger brothers do watch it on occasion. But it's like they watch it with rabbit ears and and stuff. And sure. I just want to read this passage. Just this the couple times that the TV gets mentioned. Like this is how it gets discussed. Uh, this deep in the valley, reception was poor and they only received two channels, but the public channel from Arkansas came in better, and the late afternoon shows the boys loved were about to commence. The smiley dog that jumped around among time periods, chasing adventure and historical insight, came on the screen wearing a suit <laughs> of shining armor. As the vinegar smell spread and rebent over Mom yet again, both boys quietly slid from the counter and made for the front room and the worldly dog. It's like, it's Wishbone. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, way to drop a wishbone reference without having to pay anybody any royalties.
0: (laughs) I think you could drop a a wishbone reference within fair use, you know, but what's interesting about it is that I had no doubt what it is as I was reading it, but the prose takes great pains to remind me that it's not of their daily life, you know, Right. Like dropping a the name of a television character is not part of her day to day existence.
1: Right. Like, like they watch Wishbone, but she doesn't watch Wishbone. So she she is only describing what she sees on the screen. Yeah, and you know, and what she what she sees is not Wishbone. What she sees is a dog dressed up in armor. Yes,
0: <laughs> which is kind of. And I think I know exactly what episode it is. Like, I think it's. I didn't watch a lot of Wishbone, but I did watch the Hercules one in middle school. <laughs> I think it's the Hercules one that is being referred to. Um,
1: they should do a Wishbone about Winter's Wishbone. Oh, bone. my and God. They, they could And they could call it Winter's Wishbone.
0: That'd be pretty good. Just, That'd be yeah. pretty good. <laughs>
1: I mean it feels like it's it's ripe for a reboot.
0: Yeah. I think they should oh man, what if they did like a wishbone for adults? No country we, No Country what, for Old Wishbones.
1: Oh, you mean they would do like adult books? Yes. Fifty Shades of Wishbone. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: just Dogs getting it on.
1: The Da Vinci Bone. The
0: Da Vinci Bone. Da
1: Vinci bone. Oh, no. I don't know if this is the episode naming convention of Wishbone is just a book. <laughs> <laughs> the name of the show or the word phone into the title somewhere.
0: Yeah, this is a dark path that we're going down if we if we don't stop this soon. <laughs> um so yeah, so it is kind of in this in this separate world and even even as Woodrell kind of describes the landscape, it, it has a it has a, a weight to all of the language that I think helps at least for me, elevate it from just general noir pulp
1: stuff like who done it kind yes. of private eye detective stuff.
0: It does get a little it does get a little weird in uh in the middle of the book because there's like this sense that maybe they have they're not like their religious beliefs are kind of bizarre. I don't know if that was talked about at all in the movie if you if you recall. Maybe you don't. I don't. Recall. Okay. Um she before she like fully confronts Thump Milton at one point she heads out I know you're laughing <laughs> at the name of Thump Milton <laughs> <laughs> she heads out into these caves that are like the family caves or whatever which is kind of weird and she talks about um like some of the family the Dolly family values that come from when they first settled in that land, and it's mm-hmm. done in this sense that like it's not historically based like it's almost like they're people out of time that just don't that just have their own belief
1: system like just listen i mean do you do you get a sense of when it happens nope. outside of outside of like wishbone being a thing so it's at least the nineties
0: <laughs> it's at least the nineties <laughs> uh when she she often uh listens to things on headphones and I think it might, I can't tell if it's a Walkman or if it's a CD player or if it's... Discman. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but it's funny cause she listens to like relaxing nature sounds, but she tries not to listen to ones that mimic like the snowy Ozarks. because So it,
1: she wants nature from elsewhere.
0: Yeah, um... She doesn't listen to music. She listens to like sounds from the beach, or you know, from the rainforest, or something. Uh, and she'll do it while she's like chopping wood, or
1: or whatever. Um,
0: yeah. But she like
1: I'm reading, by the way, and it is a Walkman. So okay. It doesn't. I guess that doesn't necessarily mean it doesn't necessarily indicate time. Not at all. So much as it indicates how far removed they are from yes. from the modern yeah. you know, modern stuff. Anyway, go ahead. Um
0: What is she I'm trying to like find a good part to like pick up this weird mythology that is their uh that is their life. Um but here's just like a snippet of it that makes no sense. Uh, Haslam, which is one of the names of the Dolly Men. this is ostensibly one of the first ones. Haslam had been born from a god's water spit on knacker seed, shaped for manhood by a fugitive faith and sent among the walking people to rally them in all like tinker flesh and to make a new people he'd guide to the garden place chosen by the fist, mapped inside the sparkling fish where they could rest their feet after 6,000 years of roaming and become settled people. I have no idea what that means. I don't know. It's yeah,
1: a weird creation myth yeah, story, like, and I don't, I can't imagine if they believe it. Believe it, but
0: I don't know. What if they do? It's hard to say. They talk about coming from Hawkfall, which is like another region nearby, um, and there's talk of prophecies and, uh, I don't know. It's it's almost like in in their world, the dollies have been there for all time if that makes sense like Mm -hmm. the family lineage never ends it doesn't come from anywhere it's tied to the landscape in which it lives which kind of informs the blood will be handled like issues of the family will be handled by the family belief system right that kind of governs everything she's dealing with um and the hardest thing, too, is that being a woman and being a young woman, like, no one wants to give her answers. Like, no one, she can't. She's She is feisty and, you know, kind of breaking the mold for women in her community. And in oh, her I'm family. sure. <laughs> um, and she kind of does so matter-of-factly. Like, she kind of just, like, walks onto people's porches and demands answers, and it doesn't go very well for her. <laughs> like, <laughs> midway through the book, she gets, like, beat up by thump milton's wife and a bunch of other women who might also be thump milton's other wives i'm not quite sure Um, so
1: does that does that happen because like he like they men can't beat up women or does it happen because like he won't deign to waste his his strength beating up a woman and so he delegates it to other women or is it even important? Am I chasing after a red herring? I
0: think it's mostly the first. I I can't recall offhand exactly if it's justified
1: that way. That's what happens with these weird honor systems: is they're really terrible to women, but they're also things that people people just don't do to women.
0: Or, yeah, and and what's yeah. what's interesting is that later in the book, some of those same women, uh, who really beat the tar out of her. Um, they come back and end up helping her kind of figure out what happened. And part of their logic behind doing so is that, like, they they want to shut down the gossip about that group of women mm-hmm. and what they did to this young girl. And so they end up helping her. Um, and it's funny because Reeve even says, like, she's like, "Well, I didn't, t- you know, I haven't been saying anything to anyone about it." And they're like, "Yeah, but other people have." and we want to put a stop to it, and we know what happened. Um, So she ends up finding out, like, what happened to her father because of these women who, you know, earlier in the book had, you know, almost killed her. Uh, So
1: you may have mentioned this earlier. I mean, obviously she's looking for her father because he's her father, but um, I seem to remember from the movie there was some other plot thread going on about, like, Either like life insurance or some kind of inheritance or something, isn't Yes, that, is that
0: a- I mean, the, the main issue why she has to find him... The stakes are pretty well pretty well uh, painted. Eh, that's a terrible sentence.
1: Established? Yeah, like
0: established. Staked. Um, staked. The stakes <laughs> are pretty staked well stakes. staked. They're hungry, hungry stakes. <laughs> um, if she doesn't find him and he doesn't appear in court, then... Uh, the house gets claimed by it you know it is part of his bond the bank yeah um and there's also this there's this money that he may or may not be set to receive for snitching, um which is a thing that they could potentially get if they do find him um so then the issue becomes if he did die she has to prove that he died by like bringing him in or bringing his body in, um, in which case it's almost evidence against the people who he snitched against that they would be rid of him. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Um, and so like, if she doesn't find out what happens, she could potentially lose her house where she is the most capable person Even though she's 16, because her mom is basically a waste of space, Um, and that's not to say so disparaging. That's charitable. Yeah, Yeah. and and I don't know how it's portrayed in the movie, but the mom used to be, you know, very beautiful and uh, was kind of a catch for her for Rees' father. And then when when Jessup was in jail, uh, Rees' mom kind of was you know, going out with guys and everybody wanted to be with her and then she kind of had a, a mental break at some point and there's really no, it seems just kind of like that happened and there's a couple times throughout the book where Re fears that that could happen to her and she's kind of single-mindedly pursuing this uh, mystery almost to prove to herself that she has the ability to do so um, and is not kind of weak in the way that her mother is. Mm-hmm. Um, but if she loses the house, then, you know, her and her two younger brothers, who I think is a brother and a sister in the movie, um, and the mom are kind of lost, like they have nowhere to go, um, Yeah, and it, which is made worse by the fact that they're kind of ostracized from the family at this point, given her dad's disappearance. Right. So, um... Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know what else. So I, do you want me to? Is it? I mean,
1: is it mostly plot driven, are there other like deeper themes, or anything at work, or anything that jumped out at you? Or I mean, it sounds like it's. It, I mean, there's a lot of style. There's a lot of and style. So, like there's a lot of atmosphere. Yeah, there's a lot of style and atmosphere. It's, it's still pretty pretty plot driven.
0: Yes, uh, it's actually pretty slim too. For what what I'll say is the style does a very good job of making the. Book feel bigger than it ultimately is, and I don't mean that disparagingly to the book. Um, it's a pretty short book. It's less than 200 pages, I think, all told. Um, but it, it feels expansive, and it feels like it takes up this big world, um, despite ultimately just being about one girl. Mm-hmm. And I think some of that comes from the prose and... The style of writing about the environment, um, yeah, and that's that—that that would be the biggest thing that jumped out to me, other other than plot-wise. Um, mm-hmm. And then the themes about family, I think, are kind of specific to this region, but at the same time, universal. Like, it's interesting to set a character. Sometimes it's very cheap when you when you either see a movie or start reading a book where it's like. Oh well now this his relationship with this character is heightened because it is his dad and you know they <laughs> you you create a lot of
1: uh, I don't know cuz there's a lot of there's a lot of like easy shorthand yes, that's that the those word that those before. relationships imply. Yeah. So you have to you have to work less hard to establish that relationship because you know what their what their like blood relationship is to each other already.
0: Yeah, and I think the book does a pretty good job of explaining Her relationship to all of these other family members, um, in just enough detail, so that you get the sense that there's a history, and but they take that history for granted, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the the familial relations that kind of get taken for granted throughout the book inform all of the behavior. So it's not like it has to spend time explaining every single nuance of this community. But you get you get to see it play out, um, mm-hmm. and I think one of the there's a part towards the end of the book where she's really close to kind of figuring out who probably killed her father, and uh, she's still reeling from being beaten up, and she's kind of on painkillers, mm-hmm. and Teardrop shows up and decides to like take her out and potentially show her what hap- what he thinks happened to her father but he's high on meth and you can't really trust him and they're like driving of course he is. they're driving this truck and he's like passing her a whiskey bottle and he's drinking out of it and they go to this bar and he gets in a fight with someone for no reason and then smashes someone win- someone's windshield <laughs> and then the sheriff who originally even told her that Jessup was missing like kind of pulls them over and he almost it gets very close to him potentially shooting the sheriff. And then, like, he just drives away. And it's actually really funny, because when the sheriff shows up later in the book, he tries to get Reed a promise not to tell people that he let Teardrop get away. Because <laughs> 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 he doesn't
1: want to seem diminished in the eyes of this community. Sure. I mean, it doesn't seem like they have a whole lot of regard for lawmen anyway. No,
0: not at all. And and he's walking that dangerous line. um, But what's interesting about that with regard to teardrop is that you get this sense that he is potentially out of control in ways that you didn't realize. Um, and he thinks he might be out of control in ways that he didn't realize. And so his culpability in what ultimately happens to her dad is, or happened to her dad is kind of called into question through that long chapter. Um, and I think, his relationship couldn't exist without all of the, the both tight and tighten knit and spread out family bonds throughout the book. Like he is kind of teetering between being a close family member that you might expect in in not this community, the type that you would see on a regular basis, uh, and kind of a stranger and a, a dangerous one at that.
1: Yeah, um, and that that seems like the. Oh, the main thing that I'm getting from you about the families in 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 this book is that they're all like, they're all families, but that doesn't always imply closeness. Like, no, <laughs> like you want you want to trust them because they're family, but ultimately they end up having kind of shady motivations, and they aren't always in your corner. And
0: no, and there are like smaller yeah. divisions within the family, and it's funny because when she goes to. Uh, thump miltons the first time she has to keep like reminding them that she is related to them and she kind of is demanding information based on that and they are refusing it in the sit sa- like based on it at the same
1: time <laughs> it's all it's all very like hatfield and mccoy a little bit yeah, like
0: yeah very much so um and and at the same time you see them kind of not sure what to do with the world outside of that at this Mm -hmm. like uh she has lots of misgivings about what will happen to her brothers one of her brothers is actually not uh her dad's son it's from another uh relative i don't think it's from tear i think it's from someone else um I think it's her friend Gail's husband Floyd, ah no, 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 it's blonde Milton, sorry, <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is confusing, I realize um it's another it's another Milton, and she's worried like it becomes clear that she might lose this battle, and her she will kind of probably lose one of her brothers in the process as as his true father like adopts him. And she's like, and if that happens, I know he's going to jail and he's going to be another meth cook and, and he'll be screwed. Um, and, but then the book ultimately ends with her deciding to stay there, which is kind of interesting at the same time.
1: I mean, does her leaving with the money that she gets from this whole transaction i mean does that even come up or is it or is it pretty much unquestioned that she's going to stay there they're
0: very the the boys are very worried that she will just kind of
1: leave um and that she could you know uh, i mean maybe that and maybe they're even you know depending on how young they are maybe they even think that their dad took off and left instead of
0: they i think by the end of the uh, at that point they are told what happened
1: Uh, okay but maybe like earlier yes. on when when there is some yes, yes, when she's still looking and there's some small question as as to what could have happened, even though she knows enough to know probably what happened. Yeah. um and they they definitely fear kind of being left
0: behind by her as well, and sure, kind of the the subplot of not quite motherhood, she's almost more being a father to them is like she teaches them how to shoot. And towards the end of the book, she's like teaching them how to box and like she's putting boxing gloves on them. And they're just like beating the crap out of each other. (laughs) They're like 12 (laughs) and 10, which is kind of hilarious. (laughs) And she's like duct taping the gloves onto their hands so that the gloves don't fall off, Um, Mm. which is really funny. And and she's kind of preparing them for her not being there uh, before she ultimately decides that she's not not going anywhere.
1: Well, because obviously, I mean, she's like she's 16 and she's got to fend for herself and be self-sufficient, not just self-sufficient, but sufficient for other people, too. So you you want to get to learn in pretty early, it sounds like. Yes.
0: Yes, definitely.
1: Nothing is guaranteed, especially if you're a you're a boy, then there's going to be more expected of you and like different things expected of you. And, and And,
0: the expectations of your behavior kind of run throughout the book. Kind of like what we were saying is that, yeah. Um, if you're part of that family, there's a very good chance that you will be asked to do certain things. And, and based on who you are related to, like, that's why that will happen, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, and her father went against that for whatever reason. Um, and that kind of sets off the whole book.
1: Sure. But
0: And it's pretty it's pretty grisly towards the end. I don't know if you remember from the film, but it, it, what ultimately leads to her knowing what happens is, is pretty grisly.
1: Yeah. But
0: feels of the
1: world. Sounds uh, fun. Sounds like a fun read. It, yeah. Fun <laughs> <piece> read.
0: <laughs> no, it's not a fun <laughs> beach read. I mean, it's a good read. Uh, and I actually... He kind of... Rem- it's not unlike a uh some of the worlds of Cormac McCarthy like before you get into something that is as kind of esoteric as the road but it does kind of have that isolated man in the in the wilderness metaphorical or otherwise mm-hmm. um and the sense that like even though the whole book isn't violent that like everyone is just desperate enough that violence is always an option. Yeah. Um, And that kind of speaks again to the fact that it ostensibly is a book about this methamphetamine-riddled community without really taking time to explore what that is. Does that make sense? I think so. It's not a book about drug addiction. It's not a book about characters dealing. It's not even a book about, like, characters cooking meth or anything it's not like breaking bad. but it's a
1: book about like it's a book about here's a community where that is like a lot of what people do yeah like, whether they're on the supply or the demand side yes and here's what it's like to live in that environment
0: yes and and, and have a very real problem within a community of those people yeah um which i think is interesting and, and it kind of sets it apart from being a ripped from the headlines commentary you know sure sure um, gives it a little more legs i think so yeah i would recommend it i think it's a really cool book um and
1: i really i mean i enjoyed the movie if if that's more of your thing than than book reading <sighs> Then what are you like listening to <laughs> you doing here? <laughs> but it, it sounds like i mean from your description anyway it's a movie that is very true to the book and and it doesn't sound like it doesn't sound like I just saw the Hobbit movie. Ugh. And um that that is a book where a lot of its elements are having a hard time transitioning to the screen for, for a lot of reasons. This isn't a podcast about about that, though I'm finding that I have a lot a lot of thoughts on the <laughs> subject. <laughs> It sounds like, like a lot of the atmosphere and, and stuff made the jump between book and screen pretty pretty effortlessly, and they didn't have to change a whole lot to make it work well as a movie. No, no, not at all. Yeah.
0: Um, So, yeah, that's it. I think we're good to go. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody.
1: Yeah, everybody. If you would like to recommend us to some of your friends, which we really appreciate, um, you can point them to our website at overduepodcast.com uh, Up there, we have RSS links, um, iTunes links. Um, we also have like an embedded little web player, so you can just listen to the show in your web browser of choice. Um, you can subscribe to us there. On iTunes, you can rate and review us, which helps boost our rankings a little bit and makes us feel good, at least when the reviews are good, which they've all been so far. <laughs> so don't be, the, don't be the one that breaks the streak. Yeah. Come on.
0: Uh, and if you want to give us some feedback that might be critical or or, or glowing, I'm not sure, uh, you can send it to us directly at twitter.com slash overdue pod, or you can put it on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash overdue pod, which is also where we post episodes and other interesting links regarding to the books that we've read. And you can also just email us directly, overduepod at gmail.com, if you really, really need to get a hold of us.
1: Yeah. And um, you know, if you if you've got Christmas shopping to do, and even whether it's book related or not I've still uh, got some to go, do. I've still got Yeah, some why to don't, do. why don't you go up to OverduePodcast.com, dot com, you click those Amazon links. You don't even have to buy the book. We would love it if you buy the book. But you don't have to. You can just click that link and then buy everything else and <laughs> you still get a cut of that. And I bring that up because the bill just came due for our for our hosting and uh-huh. um and everything's fine. We're paid up, but uh why why don't you guys help us? Why don't you guys I thought you were good for it. I thought you were <laughs> I thought you were cool.
0: I thought we were on the level. Yeah.
1: <laughs> anyway, that's all we've got. Uh next week we're gonna be getting into the holiday spirit. I'm gonna be reading uh Charles Dickens A Christmas Carol, Ooh. which like every single one of you I've seen adapted like a million different times, but I've Not actually read the book, so that is what we're going to do.
0: Great. I look forward to it. I hope you do, too.
1: I think that I do.
0: (laughs) Thanks for joining us, everybody.
1: Yeah, try to be happy.